Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiasts. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine with insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, helping you improve your game from tee to green. Good morning, welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Epson, LPGA and Legends Tour, and so many others helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, once again, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and we're alongside, of course, each and every week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional, Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts here on the Women of Golf. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. What up? What up? I I got to I got to put this out there before we we get into the show. If anybody has ever wondered who the hardest working woman in golf is, it's my partner in crime here on the Women of Golf show, Cindy Miller. You are going to another boot camp next week, correct? I am. How do you Wouldn't do it? Would you? Yo, yeah, oh, yeah. Listen, not no, no, we were talking off air uh for those of you just tuning in. And uh, she said, I'm going for another one next week. And you just got back. I know you were doing some stuff for Golf Pass, but you had a boot camp before that, right? Was that not right? Yeah, we did one in January, two in February, one in March, one in April. And then I, and the and that, fun thing is, is I had a general manager of a private club at Seabrook Island that has 2,200 members reach out and say, I need someone to teach our women. And I'm like, yeah, 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 of course. I, I thought, of course you do. And he said, no, 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 I, I need a bunch of different dates. So I said, okay, well, here's a date in June. He sent an email out, and the next day he had 10 women signed up. And then he goes, send me a date in September. So I did. And the next day he had 10 more women signed up. So now I'm going to Seabrook Island to do two separate boot camps there in June and September, wow. which is cool. That's fantastic. He said they just yeah. are underserved. I said, okay, I'll go down there and help them change their games forever. This would be fun, I, right? Yeah, I see a, a, a really good opportunity here in the mix for you. Um, I, I think this is only going to expand even more. What a great opportunity for you. And, and I, as I said, I can't think of a harder working and a better person to uh, to go and, and, and help those women uh, become better players. Um, and Alan do a great I job. I hope so. They and don't know do... me yet, though, so don't call them and tell uh, them about me. Don't worry. No. <laughs> yeah, if anybody's listening from that area, just disregard what we just talked about, and you'll learn yourself. But, no, you're doing great. All right, we've got a great show for you. We've got to move on. Uh, joining us uh, first up here in just uh, a second or two is uh, another uh, young up-and-coming uh, star, if you will. This is a rookie season, actually, on the LPJ Epson Tour uh, Natasha Un, and uh, she's from uh, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Uh, she also played golf at San Jose State University. 
she pursued professional golf because she says the golf course is where she feels most like herself. But if she wasn't a professional golfer, she'd like to start her own restaurant to spread the, spread the word, excuse me, uh, an awareness of how good Malaysian food is. And some of her amateur highlights she received in 2021-2022, the Inkster Senior Award, also the Mountain West Player of the Year, and she was runner-up at the 2022 NCAA Individual Stroke Play. So, Cindy, let's uh, welcome Natasha Un. Well, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Very good morning for me in uh, California. What's for you know? breakfast? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so funny. Sorry if I have a morning voice. <laughs> Hi. Uh-oh. That's okay. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's good. It's, it's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. Cindy, you go ahead. I'm really grateful. Hi. How far are you away from the Philippines? Oh, I'm not. Oh, I'm not Filipino. I'm Malaysian. No, I know. How far um, away is it? Uh, I think like a 15-hour flight. Oh, my God. Yeah. How stupid am I? Our daughter-in-law is Filipino, so oh, I get some of that food, and it's really, really good. Really, really good? So, it's really good. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so I was being ignorantly stupid. So, um, was your coach, who was your coach? Who was my coach? You mean in college or just somebody that I'm working with? In college with? there, in college. So I had um, Dana Dorman, I had Pat Hurst, and I had Courtney. Hey, Courtney. I always butcher her awesome last name. Awesome sauce. But, um, I know all those old like... women. Yeah. Yeah. I know all those old yeah. women. They're pretty cool, aren't they? <laughs> they are awesome. I still keep in touch with Pat and Dana and Courtney. And... Yeah, you tell it's them really cool. Cindy Miller time says hi. Of course, I will. I'll pass it along. Yeah. Okay. Oh. So what do you like best about playing on the Epson Tour? I think um, Epson Tour so far has given me a lot of, like, social um, time with everybody. I feel like everyone's way more of a community, and everyone's just really reaching out to each other and um, really helping out each other. I've made so many friends so far, and it's only been four weeks in. Um, yeah, so I'm just super, I'm super just grateful to meet and connect with all these people who are trying to make it on the golf industry, and they've just been a wonderful bunch of people, and I'm still having fun talking to them every day. Yeah. Well, that's nice. (laughs) Everybody's being nice? Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. I mean, four events in, so, yeah, very very new to me still yeah well that's great what's the Mm -hmm. best part of your game what's the best part of my game I just say I'm just extremely um I think it's my work ethic yeah I don't I don't really know about like driving tipping putting everything I feel like those are very streaky those really come and go when it really makes sense but um I think uh, Kind of like um, throughout the years of me being here in the United States and trying to make kind of 
um, my game better. I've always counted on myself to go out there and work on it, and um, I think it paid off so far. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. So, Natasha, let me ask you, just to go back on the professional golf team, you you said that um, you feel most like yourself when you're out in the golf course, Nat. Why do you feel that way? What is it about the golf course that sort of gives you that sense of comfort? Because no, most people would be kind of stressed out and, you know, it's tough out there, challenging, but you seem to have a really upbeat, positive attitude about it. What specifically, besides just getting to know people and, and so forth, what else is it about the golf uh, game that you really enjoy? Oh, what do I really enjoy? I, I don't know. I've been doing this since I was four years old. So, I mean, my dad has been always, just um, putting me out on the golf course. I mean, I flew to play in the junior world when I was five. So being in competitive golf, it's not like a stranger to me. I mean, I feel like professional golf would be um, a little bit way more intense. And it was way, way, way more intense than I thought it was going to be. But um, I think as far as I've been a professional golfer, like there's this period of like, what am I doing? This is so stressful to like, oh, wait, this is actually kind of fun. And I think it's, you know, it's when you're on the golf course, it's just like, I think everything else makes it different than the other types of golf, like, um, like professional golf and amateur golf. Like, if you think about it, it's just this, um, what's at stake that makes it different everything else when you're teeing it up on the golf course, everything else is the same. So if you just kind of separate that from like playing, then it's like you're going to still do the same thing every day. And it just feels like home to me because I've always done it my whole life. Like it's all I've ever known. It's, you know, um, I think the more I play golf and the more I'm out of college, I feel like um, golf is really like what I can do because now I'm, I haven't done math in a year (laughs) and I've just been like giving the math stuff to my caddy. I'm like, you do it. I don't, I don't want to do this. (laughs) So So, um, I don't think it's been great (laughs) so far in terms of that side of things. Um, Tax day is coming up and I'm like, wow, I really think I was meant to be a golfer. (laughs) So yeah. 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 I, 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 uh, agree wholeheartedly. Um, it's been a long time since I've had to do much math myself, so I think I'd like you. I'd much rather be out in the golf course. Let me ask you something. Going back, because obviously you you had a great experience at San Jose. Uh, you had some great coaches, and obviously I'm sure some some great teammates in that. But now you're out there on your own. You don't have the teammates to sort of pull off of one another, play off of one another, that sort of thing. It, how was that transition for you? Because I don't think people really understand that. You say, well, you're just playing golf and, you know, what differences make. But there is a difference because when you're playing at a, a collegiate level, you've got teammates mm-hmm. that you can, as mm-hmm. I said, play off of or you can uh, sort of, you know, cheer one another on. Uh, and I know that the, the girls uh, out on the Epson, I know they're always very supportive of one another, but it's different. You're out there by yourself now. It's just you and your caddy transition was it kind of odd the first time you stepped out on your own knowing that it's just you out there now uh, or was it an easy transition for you it was hard um i turned pro when i got the inkster award um 
And that was kind of like in May of 2022. Right on the Mm -hmm. get-go, I had to like kind of prepare myself for the my hair. And I remember my mom flew, and I was so nerve-wracked, and I felt really isolated from everyone, even though my mom was with me all the time, even though there are people around me because no one was just going through what you're going through. And, I mean, me going through that gave a lot um, – I kind of put me in perspective that I am really, really respecting everyone who is going through that too, like um, – Sorry, I'm not making sense, but um, every everyone else who had to go through that, everyone else who had to go through the professional process, like, I, I'm fully, 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 like, salute them, respect them now because of, like, just what I had to go through in those months. It's just mm-hmm. booking your own flight. Just those simple lifestyle things, like, even that was hard for me, planning it and just how do I go from here? How do I go from there? You know, no one was with you in those moments. And coming back after, mm-hmm. like, a long day of golf, and I remember just trying my best out there, but then there's, like, this big TV that really just was, like, here's the cut, and you're literally at it. Like, it's hard. It's it's hard to take it in at the moment because you're, like, oh, my goodness, right. I'm, I'm literally playing, like, on a battlefield. Like, I'm literally, like, sweating sweating um, out there, like, every single putt, and and you still have to fight. You still have to fight every day. And just being alone and just coming out of that, I mean, like, I am so much more comfortable in the professional field right now, but I'll never really forget those moments. But I feel like I had Mm -hmm. to go through them in order to get to where I was. So I'm really, really, really grateful. So, yeah. Yeah, I think think it's – you know, I, I can imagine most of the players coming out, especially if they've gone the route that you have where you played on a, a collegiate team, uh, have to go through those same feelings and emotions and, and things. And it's not easy. You know, you're you're a young lady still, and uh, you haven't played a lot of professional golf yet, and um, you're there by yourself. And, yeah, it's great to have mom on the sidelines, but it's you out in the golf course, and she can't come with you unless she's carrying the bag. And, um, mm-hmm. but it, 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 it's certainly challenging. I want to share a fun fact. Um, Cindy, you're going to, you'll get a kick out of this one. So at age 12, young Natasha here got a hole in one and won a car. Tell us a little bit about that. Cause you weren't even old enough to drive yet. Um, how was that? That had to be pretty exciting. Uh, and what'd you do with the car? Um, my dad has it. Um, yeah, I, what did I do with the car? He just drives it every day. He says it's my car still, but I barely go home. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so he he pretty much has it. But, I mean, it's it's kind of like in a, in a weird phase right now because it did flood in our parking lot, and it kind of messed up the car a bit. So when I did drive it, when I went home, it was a little less <laughs> – it was a little less glamorous than I was thinking it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. What did you feel though when you obviously was that your first was that your first and only hole in one or have you had others? I, I had like two before that I think one or two before that wow. and then I had one more after that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Look at you. Well, you're just going to well, have I to mean, brush up on the. As much <laughs> I feel like you're going to just have one, you know. Especially, yeah. 
I, I think if you get another one, you're, I think you're going to keep this car. Are you not? Uh, I might sell it, you know. Get the, <laughs> can you sell it? I don't know. I, I heard you can either get the cash version or the car version. I'm not really sure. We'll see. It, it'll just have well, to happen, and I'll have to just tell you. That sounds good. Um, <laughs> so what's the most challenging for you? Obviously, um, getting yourself organized when you first came out on tour to get used to um, doing things on your own. But out in the golf course, what's the most challenging? Do you find yourself, uh, are you able to really, really focus on your game or are you somebody that watches the scoreboards, you know, to see where you're at? Um, or you just sort of say, get into the zone and say, okay, I'm out here to do something today. Um, I got to get myself in, you know, position A, B, whatever it is. What do you say to yourself when you're out there and how do you handle yourself out in the golf course? How do I handle? So I think I really, really kind of stepped away from the expectations, um, type of mindset. Um, I really, really, really love golf as a sport. I've really, really come to love everything about it, chipping, putting, strategizing, course management. I like, that's just what I love about it. I mean, when I go there, um, I have so much fun just figuring out my shots. So, I mean, when I just carry myself around the course, it's just how can I best um, place myself for the next opportunity or, get like, how do I, you know, play chess in this hole? Um, I remember Tiger Woods saying, like, golf is a human chess, and I've really just took that with me to the golf course and just really just try to think my way out of the whole thing and just have a whole game plan. So I'm not really trying to, like, um, look at the scoreboard, have a number, because at the end of the day, it's just a number for me, for me Mm -hmm. at least. It's just, you know, how like, I feel like all we have to do is just take small steps and we'll get to where we want to go. It's not like this. I want this week to be 15 under. Like I, I can't, I can't. <laughs> I don't know how that's gonna happen, but you know, I'll try my best, and we'll we'll put those putts in when we need to, hopefully. But if it doesn't turn out to be a good week, you did everything you could. You thought about things, and you're like, I want to land it here. I want to land it there. Because we are human. We're gonna make mistakes. I think the mm-hmm. most fun part sometimes is when you hit a bad shot and you're like, oh, like, let's, let's try to, let's try to um, save this. This is going to be fun to think out of. So that's kind of how I'm at right now. Um, yeah. Um, nothing really more than that. I had, I just have so much fun like talking to my caddy. I mean, I don't really have a caddy that I travel with, but um, I do volunteer caddies and I love learning about their stories and um, just having them by my side. So other than that, it's just a fun day of, playing around yeah Uh, well i think that's a fantastic attitude to have and to take out in the golf course and i think a lot more should uh probably follow your lead cindy go ahead well i like the fact that you have local caddies every every week i used to do that as well um how many practice rounds do you play each week hmm as um I try to do nines, not eighteens. So so far I have not been shuffled into a pro am. 
So um, you know how those pro-am days kind of take the bottom half of the chunk of the day, or maybe yeah. it takes the whole day. It really depends. So Monday is usually like this unofficial practice round that we can do, but um, I think when it's kind of part of a stretch, it's really, really, really hard to play on a Monday. So I like to play on Tuesdays and on Wednesdays, and depending on how, like, the program is um, situated or how many days the tournament is going on for, like four or three, um, then I'd either say, like, I'd play at least maybe, like, 118, 19, or 999, nine, nine. Um, yeah, usually like that. hmm Yeah. So you don't grind and worry about it? I mean, no, not really. I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I think, I think sometimes um, if I get just kind of a gist of the course, where do I want to land? I mean, I do spend a lot of time. I do spend a lot of time when I'm out there, like on each hole. Like I really like to look at places and see things and kind of gauge, you know, what's the red area, uh, red area, sorry, or what's the good area where, oh, the pin's going to be here. I mean, I feel like as long as I play golf, you know, you're going to figure out where they're going to put the pins sometimes. And you just, you're like, oh, where would I want to be if I'm, if I'm going to that pin? It's just more like questions like that. Yeah, but I don't, I don't really see kind of this um, point of just being out there for so long until I'm really tired because um, I really need to conserve my energy for the week, and it's a marathon. I have other weeks coming up after that. You know, it's not this week only. So, yeah. How long did it take you to learn that? Or have you always um, been like that? No, I just. I've just been really blessed to be surrounded by some amazing people. So um, because I won the Inkster Award, I also have this great mentorship from Julie. And we're like text buddies. <laughs> so it's kind of cool. And I'm like calling her. I'm like, hey, how should I go about the practice round? And I love asking questions to these people, like, and really taking in their advice. And she really kind of, to help me set the groundwork, like, hey, I like to do this. I like to do that. Like, you don't really have to do what I do, but I'm just telling you this is how I do it. And so I'm like, you know what? That makes sense. And also she lent me her caddy when I first was out there on the LPG tour because I did have some sponsor exemptions from the award. And Ralph was like, you don't really need to do, like, to push yourself. Like, this is, like, 9-9. Like, that's good. You need caddy for some of the best players. So... I really just took that word at heart, and I was like, okay, that's good. And I love, um, like, that kind of um, small practice round thing. Like, you can just put a lot of time into little holes. You can, like, if you just do nine, you can be out there for, like, three hours, and it still would feel like um, you can serve your energy. Yeah. That's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. (laughs) And the thing is that so many of the kids that I teach – their parents are trying to make these poor kids grind. And and all golf is is hit the ball to certain locations. If you've got a yardage book, go through the yardage book and let, you know, this is the smartest play from, 
this tee box, you know, set up in this side of the tee box and let's hit the drive over here. And you don't need to really hit driver. You can hit three wood here and just plot your, your strategy out. And then once you're there, it's just a matter of hitting the ball to the target. And then if you connect it to the green and you know where to hit it, you don't have to be out there for hours. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And you know what? You, the key point you just made, I ask questions. So if you have the um, contact and talk to Dana Dorman, Pat Hurst, and Julie Inkster, and you don't ask them questions, I would have to slap you upside the head, right? (laughs) (laughs) Like, what's the matter with you? Why would you not ask them all the questions in the world? So, good girl. You're doing (laughs) right. Yes, yes, I'm really blessed. I'm really, really blessed in in this situation, really, really. Yeah, you are. Ted, go ahead. Um, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, I, I like, first and foremost, I like your attitude. You know, you're not so, and, and everybody's different. Some people are obviously more serious-minded out in the golf course and grind, and, and that's fine if it works for them. But you found and you understand and know what works for you, and that's the game plan you stick with, and that's smart. You're not trying to play somebody else's game. Um, just my final question is, besides obviously uh, getting a, maybe a couple of wins under your belt, what are your goals for the season? I feel like so far I've done better than I've expected. Um, my goals for the season is, I don't know. I, I want to have, like, I think I did say this, so I'm going to echo it now. I, I did say this in a recent interview that I just want to be more, like, routine in my lifestyle and golf. I mean, those seven-hour drives, those five-hour drives, those traveling and everything, I just feel like if I can just get that to feel normal to me and I can just go out there and have fun, like I don't really have any other goals out there. That's just like, that's just like, I just want to go out there and just feel like I'm living like a normal work day instead of being like, oh, my gosh, I need to get this done. Oh, my gosh, I need to get that done. So, yeah, I just using the Epson tour as a platform to get used to this lifestyle. That's my goal. Yep. I think that's a perfect goal. I think that's a smart <laughs> goal and I think it's going to serve you well. And I predict, this is my prediction. I think you're going to get at least one win this season on the Epson tour because you, you hit it right on the, the nail, right on the head. Yeah, I think you will because you know, you're focusing on having fun and when you're, when you're doing that and not focusing on, um, the results all the time, and obviously you want good results, but um, you're going through the process, you're figuring out, okay, what do I need to do to get to, you know, this area and that area and what have you. Um, you're not stressing yourself. You're not worrying about um, necessarily about the results. Obviously, there's going to be moments when the results are going to be better than other times, um, but as long as you're learning, think it's going to serve you well. I, I predict a, at least one win this season for you. Um, and uh I have been knocking and at I hope the you... door for sure. I have, yeah. Well, yeah. The last I was looking at some of the results. Uh, you, you hit, uh, uh, tied for ninth, I think, the first event out, and then uh, I think 29th uh, on the second event. But then the last two events, you were in a tied, I think, tied or in second place. Uh, so yeah, you're getting second. real close. I'm so yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So solo, that's even better. So 
I predict uh, um, some good uh, some good uh, rounds this uh, rest of the season, and I, I predict a win as well. But Natasha, thank you very much for joining Cindy and I, and I hope you'll come back and join us again. Oh, thank you so much. It was great fun to talk to you guys, for sure. Good luck, sweetie. All right. It's been a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Natasha. Bye-bye. All right, that was Natasha Un from the uh, LPGA Epson Tour uh, joining us. Uh, we've got another great guest coming up, Catherine Roberts, founder and president of Yoga for Golfers. She'll be joining us in a second, but uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back uh, with Catherine. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right, welcome back, and we're excited to be joined once again uh, by another great guest. And this one has been on a few times uh, over the years, and we're looking forward to having a great discussion with her. Of course, I'm talking about Catherine Roberts, the founder and president of Yoga for Golfers and the Human Performance Pilates. And as a multidisciplinary movement specialist, her clients include professional and amateur golfers and major league baseball organizations. Uh, the Yoga for Golfers has certified instructors in over 24 countries and currently uh, is in her 17th year coaching in the Major League Baseball uh, League. And uh, this is her 10th year uh, as the movement skills and Pilates expert for the Chicago Cubs. And uh, also on additional note is she received the honorary director of the PGA of Canada, uh, only the second woman in their history to be given that lifelong honor. And uh, it was received as a result of her contributions to player development. So, Cindy, let's uh, welcome back uh, Catherine Roberts. Good morning. Good morning, you guys. How are you? Doing great. We're doing How great. Are you? I'm good. I'm good. I have to tell you, it's 6.30 in the morning here on the West Coast, but it's the first morning I haven't had to get up at 4.30 for baseball in seven weeks, so I feel rested. Good for <laughs> you. <laughs> now that we, we feel honored that you got it that you got up early, uh, even though it's not as early as you normally do, but sometimes when we have some of the players, you know, from the Epson, uh, when they're playing on the West Coast, some of them are a little bit uh, not sure whether they want to come on the show because they've got to be on for 6 o'clock or sometimes 6.30. But uh, So we appreciate hey, you listen, doing that. Um, any, any opportunity to talk with the two of you and talk golf and movement is, is, is awesome. So I really appreciate you guys having me on. Well, we, we appreciate you joining us and uh, look forward to our discussion. So, Cindy, if you don't mind, I'm going to start off here because I had a question that I wanted to ask uh, Catherine. And you've done a lot in your career. You've been around the game for a long time and obviously morphed uh, many years ago into baseball. And we'll talk a little bit about that as well. But um, you've really put together sort of an evolution, if you will, of, of some of your training over the years. Talk about that. How have you, from when you first sort of started through, how has it sort of morphed into some, some of your current methodologies? Yeah, well, you know, when I first 
started, I was actually fairly new to yoga. And, and I think it's important for the listeners to know that I'm a lifelong golfer. Um, and what happened was when I first got into yoga, my golf game, my, actually my handicap dropped from like a 27 down to a 16. So I knew there was something there. Um, and when I, when I started, my methodologies were really based in yoga, very specific yoga poses with the golf-specific benefit. And I do have to say that even to this day, everything that we do is founded on the reason why we're doing it for golf, okay? Um, but what's happened is, you know, I'm a, I'm a constant learner. I'm constantly curious about the body. I'm always taking courses. I'm learning things. And, and based on my own evolution and my own education, it has morphed yoga for golfers in something that is really a methodology that's rooted in science. It's rooted in chain reaction biomechanics. It's rooted in 3D motion capture, um, which is why the methodologies now to this date, we really fall under player development, Ted and Cindy. It's not a yoga fitness class. It is a player development methodology to help golfers of all ages, all fitness abilities, even golfers with injuries, to help them to play better, you know, play longer to enjoy the game that they love, and play with as much efficiency and success as possible. Yeah, and, and you're, you're exactly right. I think it's, it's changed a lot from, you know, not just from what you're doing, but just the fitness aspect uh, into the game. You know, before it was kind of just to kind of keep in shape and limber up a little bit, and, and now it's, it's, it's really developed into something much more, and that's why you see so many players at the professional level uh, and now, as, as you know, we mentioned in the the opening uh, uh, bio, you know, now you're you're working with Major League Baseball organizations, particularly uh, more recently, you know, in the last decade with the Chicago Cubs. Tell us a little bit about that. I know it's not golf, but just tell us a little bit about that. How did that come about, and what specifically are you doing with them to to help them improve their abilities out out on the diamond? Well, the way that I got into baseball was the first team I worked for was the San Diego Padres, and their head strength coach saw me on the Golf Channel. Um, he tracked me down, and he said, we want to bring these kinds of methodologies into Major League Baseball, but we want to bring someone in who understands biomechanics, and that's my background. That's my education. So when I first started with them in 2005, you know, all of these other all these strength coaches from all of these other teams know each other. And based on that and my success in baseball, I got picked up by a lot of other teams. As you mentioned, you know, most currently my longest tenure right now is with the Chicago Cubs. But, you know, we have a saying which, is, which really, really ties back into golf, which is you have to move well to move strong to move fast. And I feel like my job is as a movement skills specialist, in yoga, in Pilates, in functional range um, conditioning, and all kinds of methodologies, Gray Institute, is to help my athletes move well. Because if you don't move well and then you go to load it with some sort of, let's just say, you know, the, the, the strength and power and mobility and dynamic stability that's required to swing a golf club at a high rate of speed, you have to be able to move well. Otherwise, you are potentially looking at injuries, and what I said initially, which was, you know, the golf swing as well as baseball is all about efficiency. How efficiently can you move your body? Which is why 
we, we you know, look at three-dimensional motion capture. We look at the kinematic sequence. In baseball and in golf, we measure what's called ground reaction forces. How much force can you actually put into the ground so that when it moves up the kinetic chain, known as your body, you're able to create a more efficient, fluid um, athletic motion, whether it's swinging a golf club or throwing a baseball or hitting a bat. And, and also what you're doing is, is, as well, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's not just solely about improving uh, their athleticism. It's also uh, to help prevent, uh, and obviously you're never going to 100%, but to help them prevent uh, injury as well, correct? You're doing things to get them doing in the correct sequence and doing the correct motions, if you will, so that they're not getting as injured as often, or when they do, it's not as severe. Is that accurate? Well, that's always the hope, uh, you know, and I would never be right. so presumptuous as to say that, well, if you do my methodologies, you won't be injured because I'm, you know, right. God. <laughs> but, right. but, but, but again, when we go back to the efficiency of movement, if you have, mm-hmm. let's just, let's talk about injury for an example. When I have an athlete who maybe has a back injury, when I'm, I'm using air quotes when I'm saying the word injury, I'm not talking about you know, some blunt force or something that's really significant, right? I'm talking about maybe there's some discomfort, okay? So Mm -hmm. let's say a golfer comes to me and they have a low back problem. I actually, um, unless it is something, like I said, where an MRI shows a herniated disc or something like that, if I'm just looking at movement, what people need to understand is where it's showing up isn't necessarily what's causing the injury. So, for example... Let's go back to, the, to a low back problem. If I have an athlete with a low back problem, the first place I'm going to look is their hip function and their thoracic spine function. So essentially what I'm doing is I'm looking at what's happening below where there's an injury and what's happening above where there's an injury. Because typically it is something that the injury is occurring somewhere in the middle. The other thing I do want to take a moment and talk about is that's so important and very much overlooked except in my world, which is the importance of good foot and ankle function. So one of the first things I do when I work with my athletes, whether it's Major League Baseball or golf, is I do a gait assessment on them. So I literally watch, I just watch them walk. I say, take your shoes off and let me see you walk. And if their foot and ankle function is not good, meaning they, they maybe have prolapsed arches or they have problems in their feet and their ankles, it will absolutely affect everything above the foot and ankle function. So even guys with chronic, let's say, adductor, which is inner thigh, like chronic, inner, um, chronic adductor injuries or um, you know, problems with their hips, I always dial it back to what is their foot and ankle function. Tell me about your feet and ankles. Because if you think about it, it's the first thing, right? It's the first connection that we have to yep. the ground is the foot and the ankle. And when you think about the golf swing, right, or, again, in baseball, we measure, again, what's called ground reaction forces. How do you connect to the ground and use the ground to generate power? If you have issues with your feet and ankles, then that's an immediate leak of power, um, or efficiency going up the kinetic chain to give you a more efficient golf swing. And, you know, I, I guess that what, what I was really, and you, you've answered it, but what I was really trying to, to, to get you to talk about a little bit is, is really 
being able to isolate what the issues are. And, and I know you're, you're not going to be able to um, prevent every injury. Obviously, some injuries can happen uh, regardless of yeah. how well somebody is trained. Um, it was just, to, to, I guess, to, to let the listeners understand that when you're working with a professional trainer, they can give you things and, and guide you in a way to help reduce it. They're not going to get rid of it. As you said, you're God, you're not going to get rid of it altogether, but you're going to do things that are going to um, get them working in the right function, the right mannerism, if you will, Absolutely. so that they're yeah. going to, yeah, they're going to reduce that, that uh, uh, much greater than what they would if they didn't do it. So that's what early was getting at. And you, you did a great oh, job no, of no, unpacking you, that. And you are absolutely correct. I mean, again, if you're, I always have the saying, which is movement heals, right? When you're moving, you are creating, you know, you're, you're, um, you're creating synovial fluid, you know, in the joints, you're activating the core body temperature, you're preparing yourself. So, you know, back to kind of the injury thing in yoga for golfers, we always do what's called a dynamic warm up, right? So this is just maybe a 10 minute sequence of yoga based movements that, that will will do everything that I just said to prepare your body. Think about the golf swing, you guys, right? The golf swing is a static, you start in a static position, and you have to generate club head speed of, let's say, you know, 90 miles an hour from a static position in under two seconds. You're also, your body is also moving in all three planes of motion at the same time. It's extremely taxing to the body. So if you want to prepare yourself for a round of golf, you absolutely need to do a dynamic warm-up, even if it's just 10 minutes. The other thing I say is, you know, adherence over duration is really important. I would rather have my clients do 10 minutes a day than two hours on a Sunday. Like, skip the two hours on right. a Sunday, you know. But, but right. if you commit to 10 or 15 minutes a day, you will prepare your body. And hopefully, yes, the intent is to reduce injury, but also to help you play better you know you have to move better to play better do you guys agree with that right yeah yeah wholeheartedly yeah um cindy go ahead it's almost like you're a private investigator of the body totally yes absolutely and you know what cindy this is why i feel so blessed to get to do what i do every day because I feel like, a, like an investigator of the body. Every time I'm with an athlete and they move, I'm always assessing what they're doing. And, I'm, and, and, I'm, and I get to learn every day. This is what's so exciting about it. I'll be working with someone and he'll do a certain movement and I'll say, wow, I never, I never, I never thought about training you this way, but now that I saw you move that way, let me, let me kind of change my strategy and train you this way and layer in this exercise. There's kind of a running joke to my baseball players, which is I always say, oh, wait, there's one more. Oh, wait, there's one more exercise. Oh, wait, there's one more. Because when they move, I'm, I'm, like, oh, I'm like, wow, look at your hip move that way. Okay, let's layer this in. Or maybe I say, you know, now that the hip is moving better, Let's remove that, this exercise from, your, you know, from, from our strategy and add in something else. That's what's so fun about what I get to do every day. Do they want to slap you? <laughs> 100% all the time. <laughs> no, but, you know, but, here's, a, but here's another thing, too, that I get to do. And, again, just because 
I, I know this is a golf show, but just because I just finished spring training, baseball's on my mind. But I do this all the time with my golfers. They'll say to me, you know, I'm trying to get this movement pattern down. Can we come up with a few exercises that will help me in this specific movement skill? Which is why my title is movement skills, right? And I am a yoga instructor and I am a Pilates instructor, but, I, but I'm a, a movement skills specialist. And I, like just recently, I worked with this pitcher for 45 minutes. He said, I know you've got something in your arsenal that's going to help me figure out this movement skill. And for 45 minutes, we dialed in all these different ways that we could attack this specific movement skill. This is what I do with my golfers all the time, too. And, and I just want to say this is also why I don't believe in working, as a trainer, I don't believe in working in a silo. So I believe in working in conjunction with the skills coaches. When I work with my golfers, I 100% require that I work with their golf coach at the same time because we need to have, we need to have a team effort, right? We need, I need to know what the golf pro is trying to get you to do so that I can better facilitate whatever movement skill you need for the golf pro. And I think, you know, when, and Ted and I had a long talk about coaching and coaches the other day. And I, I think if you're working with a coach or a trainer like myself who is not, is not willing to or does not want to or does not take the time to communicate with everyone in your team, you're working with the wrong person. If they think that they are like, hey, just go work with Catherine. She'll make you better. No, I can't make you better. I have to work in conjunction with your golf coach to help make you better. I can help you move better. But I don't teach golf. And they don't teach movement. They teach golf. So when you have this team behind you, I think it sets you up for the greatest opportunity for success. Got it. So let's pretend that someone lives a long way away from you and they want to get better. How do they work with you? Well, I work with clients all over the world. And, you know, I was doing virtual training long before COVID. Um, so really one of the best ways for people to, to work with me or to get in touch with me, and we can give them my email address, to get in touch with me and we set up um, a, the first virtual session, which will include a series of assessments that I'll do on them, just so I can look for where they're, what, you know, where they're moving well, where we might have opportunity to have them move better. Um, and then, again, I will you know, connect with the golf pro, but virtual training is amazing if they want to work with me personally. The other thing, we have yoga for golfers instructors in 24 countries. And on our website, we have a locator. So you can pick a location where you are, you know, within a 20-mile radius, 50-mile radius, and find a local instructor. Um, and I would really encourage people to do that if they want, because our instructors are holding classes all over the world. They're working one-on-one with private clients. They're working virtually. You know, we have an instructor. I'm just thinking of her right now. She's up in Canada. She's doing virtual, and she's got, you know, 30 people in her virtual classes. So we've got Yoga for Golfers. We have a lot going on, a lot of opportunity. Um, We also do have digital media instant downloads for uh, for sale, different levels of intensity, too. So, um, Lots of different ways that we can work with you, and we would love to. Awesome. 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 Ted? 
So, Catherine, let me ask you, just going back to the coaching aspect and training and that, you know, you raised a very interesting point is it has to be a team effort because, as you said, you know, you're, you're a movement specialist um, and you're going to help them uh, perform uh, or improve certain movements that they're going to be required, um, you know, obviously if they're a golfer and, and obviously if they're out in the ba- uh, baseball diamond. Um, but it's important that, and again, even if you're an amateur, even if you're not at a pro level, it's still important to sort of seek out um, the, the right person for you. What are some things, if you were to give some, you know, some quick tips, if you will, look for that person. What should, should somebody that's, again, not a professional, um, maybe doesn't have the same resources, what should they be looking for in a coach? I think coaching, a lot of coaching has to do with connection. And, and I have a saying, which is, you know, as a coach, I need to make a connection with my client before I can provide any direction for them. So I think, you know, if you're, if you're working with someone who's kind of constantly on their phone or maybe they're a little disconnected or maybe they're a bit overwhelmed and they're not, you know, fully present with you being there with them for that hour, half hour, whatever it might be, um, and you don't connect with them, I think that's not the right person. Um, I, I think, too, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about this. I'm a big believer in science. I'm a big believer in data and data capture. But at the end of the day, as a trainer, I'm training a human being. I'm not training, I'm not training a number. So for me personally, because again, you know, both in golf and in baseball, we use so much data. I use the data as information to help me train my, my athletes better. And it does give us a measuring tool, right? So like in my company, we say, you know, assess, train, perform. You have to go to somebody who's doing assessments on you. If you don't know the baseline of where you're starting your movement and then and you don't really have a, a formula for measuring how successful you can be. So, but the data, the data isn't the be-all, end-all. The human being is the be-all, end-all. And... Um, I think that's I think that's very important. And you know, again, I come back to that connection before direction. I I have to establish a connection and a relationship with my with my clients, with my athletes before I can tell them what to do. And you know, Cindy, you made a really you made a really funny point, which is like, are they ready to slap me when I say to them? Oh, wait, there's one more thing that I think we can do. I mean, but the, the reason why they are bought into what I'm providing them is because they trust me. And they trust me because they know that, A, my work is not, uh, my work with my athletes is not about me, it's about them. You know, I I also have a saying, which is like, how can I be of maximum service to people I come in contact with today? That is really my guiding principle, which is also why, I'll say this too, you don't see me posting on social media that, oh, I worked with this and this athlete. It's not about me. It's about them. Um, and so right. I think, you know, I think, again, you know, just to kind of recap, it's somebody, a coach that you can really connect with, a coach that's interested in being part of your team and not, not making it about them. I think a coach right. that assesses you, right, a coach that, that is willing to make an assessment, 
Um, and then also, you know, one that, uh, for me personally, one that's interested in data, but the data and the science is not the overall guiding principle for them training. Yeah, and, and, and we talked about this the other day when you and I were talking, Catherine, and, and the data is really there to support a position or to support um, the instructor, whether it be the golf instructor or uh, a movement specialist, excuse me, like yourself. Um, but if somebody is, you know, got their head down in the data all the time, and I'm talking from an instructional standpoint, that's not serving their client. Uh, I'm, again, it's there to so. assist. Right. And, and this has been a problem, unfortunately, that's, that's crept up over the last several years, particularly even in golf instruction, is uh, it's become very heavy data-driven. And I understand why it's, it's becoming very prevalent on the tour, so people see that and say, okay, well, maybe that's what i got to do. And the truth of the matter is the data certainly can provide certain information, but it's really for the coaches' um, information gathering, if you will, so that they have a better understanding to make changes or adapt according to your position. And But if they're there giving a lesson on what all the data means all the time, they're not serving their clients, right? I, it wouldn't work for me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I mean, it wouldn't work for me. Maybe it works for some people, and that's okay. Um, I, I would I would be looking for, for someone who is, like you said, using the data as information, but looking looking at me as a moving human being. You know, right. one thing that we didn't have really a chance to touch on as well, um, mm-hmm. maybe we can do it at another time, is one of the things that's very important in the methodologies that I teach is the practice of breathing. Um, and, you know, we, we talk all the time that, you know, golf is very much of a mental sport. The fastest way for you to reset your mind and to cultivate what we call one-pointed concentration, which is essentially just focusing on the shot that's right in front of you, is to learn how to take a deep breath, you know. I train my, I train my golfers all the time and my baseball players about, the importance of knowing how to reset your nervous system, right? About, about, mm-hmm. about breathing, being aware of your breathing, being aware of your heartbeat. In baseball, we talk a lot about slowing down the game. You know, when you are in control of your breath, your heartbeat, your nervous system, you're much more control of your mind. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and, you know, when you watch, some of the professionals, and certainly some of them have, I'm, I'm sure, room for improvement. Um, but they're they're getting much better, obviously, as as things progress in in from the physical standpoint. They're starting to do just that. You know, you're seeing them uh, breathing at a much better rate, and they're not, you know, getting to a point where even during a high stress moment, they're able to to monitor and control their breathing to a point where they're more relaxed and being able to, you know, isolate when there's a problem on the golf course as an example, they've made a bad shot and they've got to recover. Um, the last okay. thing you want to do is ramp up the breathing and get the heart rate going in pumping blood, you know, a lot faster than what needs to be um, because then you're not relaxed and tension creeps in and a whole myriad of things that we can talk about. Um, but no, you raised oh, some yeah, really, absolutely. really good point. Yeah. Go ahead. No, what I was going to say too is, you know, we're talking about tension in the mind, but we're also talking about, or lack of focus in the mind, but we're also talking about tension in the body. And a tense mm-hmm. muscle 
is not able to do what we call eccentrically low to concentrically explode. So let's say for, you know, I'm standing here, let's say I'm pretending I'm holding a golf club and I'm very tense, right? Am I going to be able to create a fluid swing? Am I, well, do I have the ability to do, you know, to, to stretch the muscle to the point that then I need to contract the muscle to create power? The answer is no. So we have to have a body also that's free of tension so that you can, you know, begin to create more of a fluid swing so that you can create more muscle contraction to create more explosive power. And, you know, explosive power can help you create more distance. And I don't really know that many guys that don't need more distance or women, right. including myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We all, we all want a few extra yards out there and, and there's the right way to do it and the wrong way to do it. And you, you've explained that very well. Any, any final thoughts yeah. or questions? No, nope, I'm good. Great job. Thanks, Cindy. We'll have to catch up uh, for yep. sure. But it's, it's, gr- it's great, great to be on with you guys. And should I tell people how to get a hold of me? Yes, Absolutely. that's what I was just about to say. Go ahead and let the folks know how they can get a hold of you. Okay, so... My email is Catherine, K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E, at, it's yoga for golfers, but it's F is in Frank, O is in orange, R is in Roger for four. It's not the number four. It's not F-O-U-R. It's yoga, F-O-R, golfers.com. Please email me. I would love to work with you. Um, virtual training is just works phenomenally. And, you know, it's funny. I have, like, I have a client in Atlanta that I, he's been my client for almost eight years. I've never met him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. it's amazing what, te- yeah, that, and that's one of the, the benefits, you know, that technology can do as well. But, and also they can go to yogaforgolfers.com is your website. They can navigate and search around there and see all the great work that you've been doing. Uh, so definitely do that. Yes, and they or you should, can do they, Catherine. And they should look, yeah, I'm sorry, and I was going to say, they should definitely look for a Yoga for Golfers instructor in their area. Mm-hmm. For sure. Perfect. And, and Catherine, we, you're going to be joining. Yeah, so much. Go ahead. No, go, go ahead. I, no, you were going to say something, Ted. I was just going to say you're going to be joining me September 7th on my other evening program on Thursday evenings uh, from 6 to 8 Central or 7 to 9 uh, Eastern. Uh, called Golf Talk Live. You'll be joining me on September 7th for an hour, so we'll unpack even more uh, when you come back. But, Perfect. Catherine, thank you very much. for. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but thank you for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. We appreciate it and all of the great work that you've been doing. And, uh, much continued success, and we look forward to you coming back and joining us here on the Women of Golf as well. Thank you guys so much. Have a beautiful day. We'll talk soon. You do as you well. You too. Bye-bye. All right, Catherine Roberts, uh, founder and president of Yoga for Golfers. Uh, she's uh, been doing this a long time, Cindy, and it's just amazing um, just, you know, what she unpacks. And, you know, as I said, uh, as she mentioned, you know, we had a, a long conversation the other day in preparation for, for today, and uh, she's just very passionate about what she does and, and um, really makes it not about herself. Yeah, she doesn't make it about herself. And, you know, you're like that, too, really. You don't make it about yourself. You're there to help. Uh, you know, the student, uh, uh, you know, the customer, however you want to phrase it, um, becoming the best that they can, they can be. And um, sometimes it can be a challenging road, and I'm sure a few of them wanted to slap you too, but when they look at it down the road and see the, the results that they're getting, uh, it's well worthwhile. But 
As always, uh, special thanks to both of our guests today, Natasha Un from the LPJ Epson Tour and Catherine Roberts again from uh, Yoga for Golfers. Thanks, ladies, for joining us. And, Cindy, I will see you next week right here on the Women of Golf. Thanks. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash womenofgolf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.